and welcome to another episode of Coffee Corner Radio. My name is Martin Fischer and I'm today's host. We are very busy with episodes those days. That's because of conference TechEd season. So TechEd Las Vegas just was last week and next week we will have TechEd Barcelona. So a lot of interesting stuff in their SAP uh, community and universe. So I took the chance to talk again to Holger Müller, who was already a guest on the show in March this year. Holger is analyst with Constellation Research based in California, and he has very good insights in the whole enterprise software market. So we had a very, very interesting discussion, I think. It took a bit long, but I think it's worth listening. So have fun. Hello and welcome to the Coffee Corner radio podcast. Um, my name is Martin Fischer. Um, and I have a special guest back on the podcast today. Uh, hi, Holger Müller in, um, yeah, somewhere in the States, I guess at the West Coast, uh, somewhere in California. Hey, great to be here, Martin. Always a pleasure to be on your podcast. Yeah, you're right. I'm close to the West Coast, not right on the West Coast right now in Las Vegas. It's conference season, so... Uh, a popular destination for conference. And I like it because uh, I live on the West Coast in San Diego and it's an easy and short flight. So um, please do all the conference in Las Vegas if you can't do them in San Diego. <laughs> um, uh, as far as I heard, uh, TechEd will next year move to Austin. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, unfortunate. It's much, much tougher for me to get to Austin, but I understand why SAP is doing this. It's good to see a new place. I mean, it's been here in Las Vegas for, I don't know, 10 plus years or so. Um, well, we, we shall see, right? Uh, the funny thing about Austin is um, it's it's colorful. And, and by the way, the test, the, the tip for me is the best avocado sandwich. I'm a big fan of avocado sandwiches, right? So um, and I sample them everywhere. I see them on the menu. I had some here at the reception of, of the event I was here. It was okay for a reception avocado sandwich, but not really good. But the best avocado sandwich I know from 200 plus locations is there. Ask me on Twitter later when we promote this and I'll share the location. Okay, great. So, uh, interesting topic uh, to, do, to, to talk about food is always a good idea, I think. Uh, but no, We talk about how to harvest avocados and how to prepare them and make the perfect avocado sandwich at home, right? Yeah, may maybe. So, it's a coffee corn radio uh, and it's, so it's not a must that we always talk about technology and SAP-related topics. So, um, coffee, coffee and avocado don't go so well together, I agree. So, all right, let's talk about SAP then. Yeah. <laughs> because SAP and coffee go really well together, right? <laughs> That's true. So, every programmer at least um, uh, needs that fuel. Uh, at least that applies for me. <laughs> yeah. But Some of these two go well together, right? SAP and beer go well together too, if you save the liquids. Yeah. And uh, SAP with pizza to a certain point too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. So, yeah, we, we already um, kind of... Um, talked about the um, topic um, it's TechEd season um, so we are right in between uh, TechEd Las Vegas and um, TechEd uh, Barcelona which starts next next Monday uh, next Tuesday um, and yeah there's conference season in, in total so there was also the DSAG uh, annual conference uh, I guess uh, two or three weeks ago if I remember right so a lot of news um, in the SAP uh, technology area, especially, um, and yeah, 
So we want to talk about the news we, we've already heard. Maybe there will uh, more come next week in Barcelona. Uh, we will see. Um, just to, to do some yeah, introduction into the topic, uh, we've had the annual conference in Germany, in Nuremberg, uh, from DSHG, the German user group, or the German speaker speaking user group there. SAP got quite some bad feedback from the customers. Uh, only 24% of the customers said uh, we are trusting in the strategy of SAP. And um, um, the, the, yeah, um, Uh, Kleine Meyer and um, Christian Klein gave some keynotes there. They they also did some announcements, um, um, yeah, to get better feedback from the customers. Uh, they uh, acknowledged that they have to listen better to the customers in total. And the answer the week after was uh, the keynote uh, from Jürgen Müller in Las Vegas. So how do you? Yeah, what's your opinion about the news we've heard? Or maybe you can also, yeah, just go into the details uh, you've heard and uh, stress what's what's most important for you. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not surprising to a certain point. So, so first of all, I mean, it's, I think it's good when customers are vocal and tell the vendors when they're happy, but also more importantly when they're unhappy because that makes all the alarm bells ring and uh, makes it all hands on board and uh, we focuses to listen to the customer which unfortunately it's something that uh, SAP has said they would be doing right they've been doing this since a long time I remember it was two or three sapphires ago when Bill McDermott's keynote was all about customer empathy and understand the customer and now they acquired Qualtrics and uh, they're now the experience company I don't know if you've seen the standard boilerplate on the bottom of an SAP press release is not the enterprise software company I think that it was but it's now the experience company so it certainly looks good to listen to customers and understand where they are and the problem from SAP is really um, and, and that's something common that you see is you, they had the most executive state changes that I can think of definitely in the century if not at all right with Ben Leukert retiring with um, Björn Gerke leaving with many many changes there and that creates a void and that creates a, some time when new executives have to find their pace have to establish their management teams and the big promise of Sapphire 2018 was to improve integration and make this whole thing work and here we are in 2019 I think Christian Klein did a good keynote didn't have much time only 10 minutes on the main topic which he runs which is S4HANA which every SAP customer Uh, either uses plans to use or thinks they will have to use at some point and they didn't give the whole thing enough room and they haven't made any on the integration process yet, progress yet so uh, not surprisingly customers are not too happy and uh, I think it's good they tell SAP and SAP is good at listening and now the question is what the reaction will be right I don't think the the tech at keynote by Jürgen Müller has been a reaction yet uh, that that train has left a long time ago and it's a totally different audience right so in Las Vegas in the tickets you have the the developer audience and the managers of the developer audience who are deeply committed uh, from making their life income from SAP technologies so you have a much more positive audience to a certain point than you have at uh, the user group where people know that they have choices and they use these choices from a commercial perspective to get good conditions from SAP and then and, and overall they have to see where they will automate the whole thing and decisions on the DSRG level right affect how many developers 
uh, and how much technology will be used from SAP. So it's very important and it will be interesting how SAP reacts to it. And um, I think they know now that they have to do more on the integration side. Yeah, and not only, also on, on clearer roadmaps uh, um, for some certain products. Um, see for HANA. He used to be leading and open and, and put the competition under pressure with uh, not only showing and releasing roadmaps at user events, but delivering to it with uh, German quality and precision, right? So that's yeah. what lots of people here in the US like and liked about SAP. And somehow that got a little bit lost in management changes, uncertainty on platforms, what can you do with HANA for the six sisters, right, which I refer to, let's see if I get them together, Ariba, Concur, Fieldglass, Hybris, slash C4 HANA, um, Qualtrics now, and success factors, right? The, 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 the six sisters are on this death march, if you will, to move and standardize to SAP technology, which doesn't give you much in terms of functionality, right? I, I skipped Success Connect, which was also conveniently here in Las Vegas, and everything that was announced was that, okay, we're not talking about HCM anymore, human capital management, but HXM, human experience management. So fully banking on the Qualtrics card, and that's just not enough for the full-fledged HCM suite vendor like, like SAP success factors. They have to show progression in all the areas of HCM. It's just another indication how hard things are right now for SAP to show the innovation. And with that, you can't show steady innovation then you're reluctant, and I used to build product for 25 years, so I can totally relate to that. You're reluctant to show roadmaps because you're not sure if you can deliver to those. And the roadmap which you can't deliver to uh, is always a little bit egg in your face. The good news for SAP, and this is why I encourage all the vendors in the space, is when customers have by now understood that a roadmap is to a certain point an intention to deliver, and things can happen in between. So if you communicate well that you won't deliver what's on the roadmap because something more important happened, uh, say uh, nobody really foresaw some implementation which is happening around uh, privacy laws, right? As an example, and you had to react to it. Customers appreciate that, right? They understand that things can change, things can be more important as long as you communicate that. That's okay, and that's what SAP has to relearn in the cloud era. Yeah, I, I some, sometimes had the feelings, uh, or in, in certain areas, um, there were some hidden roadmaps which were with with big consequences for customers um, which SAP was not really talking about especially in the um, yeah CX Hypers area um, earlier this year which just disappeared and um, there were some some on-premise products which were um, yeah going into maintenance mode or at least if, regarding to the roadmap and uh, where I just thought um, it doesn't make sense to force customers to move to the cloud. Um, you you have to um, convince them. And there, Christian Klein made also a big statement um, in uh, in Nuremberg at the DSAG. He said um, on-prem is strategic for SAP and uh, there will be um, also some on-premise products in the future. And they also announced that uh, HCM will finally be integrated in S4HANA. Um, because of the uh, yeah, because as far as I know, I'm not an HCM expert, but as far as I know, uh, success factors um, is lacking some functionality for different countries in in terms of payroll so far. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, uh, well, 
yes, yes, and no. So let, let's pick pick the statement uh, together. But maybe first, let's go to the root cause of the discontent, in my view, which is the announcement of C4HANA at last year's as a 2018 Sapphire. Because until then, the SAP user base, which is very much aware of the benefits of R3, the the best integrated ERP system in a single schema on a single platform with the same UI, um, was being succeeded by S4, right? SAP said very clearly R to S, 3 to 4. And then comes Sapphire 2018, and SAP announces C4HANA. And all of a sudden, customer-related processes with still not a clear demarcation line, what is ERP, what is C, whatever, or what's S, what's C, uh, has been made clear. And that creates the question, how will SAP create, integrate these things? Yeah, how will, will they come together? And that's where where a year ago, Rob Enslin and uh, Bent Leukert were very clear that they will own that and SAP will do that. And they have not delivered on that. Then yeah, have not given a roadmap, right? So maybe if they would have said, look, we have to build the basic capabilities, which it looks like if you want to move to TechEd on the integration side uh, and will be in 2019. So we'll ship the first integration 2020. Customers would have understood, but they, they failed to do that. And now I went to the root cause, but I forgot my, oh, you were talking about the HR, right? Well, one of these questions, of course, not only around the CIM area, but around all the six sisters, maybe Qualtrics being different because there was no experience management, but all of them, Ariba for purchasing, um, field glass even for procurement uh, uh, contractor services, people have been doing this in R3, not to mention hybrids and CRM, not to mention success factors. And now comes the integration thing that uh, Christian Klein spoke about. Yes, um, finally in April or so, it was hidden in the press release of Q1 as SAP said, yes, success factors is on HANA. Now you could claim victory in saying, look, it's all on HANA, what do you want? It's all integrated, runs on the same database. But that would mean that uh, Oracle being the database leader for relational database systems, everything is integrated because it runs in the Oracle database and we know that's not the case, right? So it comes back to the integration part and saying like, which pieces of uh, success factors and how will be delivered to S4HANA and then there's things which everybody can't get together because if, if Christian Klein commits to on-premises, which of course he has to do because there's so many customers there, the success factors has never run on-premises. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they want to create that capability, fine, it's, it's, a, it's a choice, maybe they want to do this, um, but then, then show me the roadmap, when can I run success factors on-premises, right? And when will I have the functionality, have an HR which was around mainly what's left, uh, payroll, right? And that's one of the problems that SAP created themselves on the on the P side, that S4HANA is not complete. And with S4HANA being complete, and, and sorry for the militaristic picture, right? And Germany got bombed really badly in World War II, but I, I always think of uh, there are three instances that the customer is like, like this bombed out city block where, where only two buildings at the corner opposite are standing, and one of them is in manufacturing, and the other one is in payroll. And it's no longer cost-effective to run that whole city block just for that because the rest has moved on to S4HANA. And SAP is reluctant, slow, not providing the roadmap how, when you can turn off that um, that ERP remainder, kind of like bombed out quarter of the once shiny R3 city block, right, where, where only two things are basically left. And if you only, uh, if you don't manufacture, you only have the payroll left. So you need to know when can you run payroll with the um, not success connect, but with the um, employee central payroll, which is now a hosted payroll, um, and it's at uh, 40 something countries instead of the 56, 58 where the on-premise payroll is. 
Sorry, long winded answer, Martin. I'll try to be faster and shorter. <laughs> It's your time. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, we are between tickets. So maybe let's let's move on to a bit more technical uh, topics. Um, you already said there were big changes in management this uh, this year. Um, um, yeah, we've we've got a new CTO, so new keynote style also. Um, and um, yeah. For me, at least, there was no Star Trek stuff. What? No, there was no Star Trek and no movie at all. Um, so, Shocking. but Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see it? <laughs> no, I saw it. I saw it, of course. I'm just, just mimicking because I mean, yeah, yeah, legendary, legendary keynote which people still talk about, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. I think and I expected and that was kind of topic of our last talk also that there, there might be a bigger uh, strategy change uh, after the disappearance of, of Bjorn uh, but I didn't see it so far um, and I actually right now I don't expect it uh, either um, so it was more continuing what, what was already started to re uh, yeah re yeah Kind of the the um, cloud cloud platform got repositioned um, into a different area, a bit away from the hyperscaler pass offerings, a bit more business related. Um, yeah, kind of what I expected in this case. No, no, this is. I mean, is it first of all like we said this in the pre our pre talk, right? A pass remains the bad word at SAP, and I really don't understand, don't get this, right? So you should call things what they are, and SAP Cloud Platform and the adjacent products and services make a, a formidable pass offering for SAP customers. So I don't know why SAP keeps shying away from it. I was happy when Bill McDermott said it three, four times, and Ben Leukert said it three, four times. Uh, but now that understanding seems to have gone again, and if Jürgen Müller doesn't call it pass, I mean, who, who else should call it pass? It's his baby. And, and that's what you have to call it, so customers don't look elsewhere to build the missing pieces um, in their SAP automation portfolio, where SAP doesn't have an offer, may not have it fast enough, or they're too specific, and so on. So it's really, really important to stress the pass aspect, and that's understood, and also the ambition that it's going to be a pass, with the key differentiator being not just for integration extension, that's the traditional part of a SaaS vendor's pass platform, but to be able to be built standalone applications on top of the SAP technology stack. Right. Okay, yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, but um, there's also, and uh, it had also appearance in the keynote, the Uh, partnership with Microsoft, um, where I actually see uh, big compet uh, competition um, at our customers between Microsoft, Azure, and and uh, Cloud Platform. Or yeah, actually, I see more uh, the that Azure has a, a much bigger share. So, um, what do you think about this partnership? Is it only good for Microsoft? No, no. I mean, it's a it's a win win for both sides, right? The the main thing announced is the blockchain compatibility, which is kind of like a a Barney horse part. That's not the relevant part. The important thing is how much will SAP standardize on Microsoft development tools, right? There's a number of different development stacks. Uh, I think for them to be successful, they they can't just look at Microsoft. Microsoft is very important, uh, very much set as technology. 
but but Java is really the predominant and Java bytecode compatible languages. And that's what the previous leadership with Björn Gerke tried to, to cater to, really to the developer to build things. And it's very important that SAP does not lose catering to the developer understanding what are the popular platforms and popular programming languages. Because it doesn't help if your manager has fully bought into the SAP cloud platform part and uh, he or she can't find the developers to build on top of it, right? So That's clear. You know, SAP, SAP has a large developer community with ABAP. Um, people know that ABAP is not necessarily the future and the writings on the wall. They all learn different other programming languages and some of them are C-sharp and nothing against C-sharp, which is the main thing on the Microsoft stack side, but uh, there, there's other programming language people have learned which are relevant and set already in the enterprise. So SAP will have to have what they had in the past, this polyglot offering. And yes, maybe this year you partner uh, with Microsoft, maybe next year you partner with Google and hey, uh, maybe uh, sometime you, you partner with Oracle for Java, right? All these companies are co-operators, right? They, they cooperate on some things and they compete in other things. And some of them have to be the enemy because you need an enemy picture to rally the troops. It's a sad reality of enterprise software. But behind the scenes, they, they work all, all really well together, right? There's no question about it. If an SAP customer on Oracle has a problem with Oracle, Oracle will be fully committed in there to help them. There's no letting someone die on the vine because you use my technology and be an applications competitor. That's an SAP perspective because applications define it for someone who's truly a technology stack provider like like, uh, like, like SAP, sorry, like, like Microsoft or like Oracle or like IBM in the past or look at AWS and Google in the present, um, you always support your technology business because so much is riding on that. Okay, so you expect further announcement at uh, other tickets with other partners? <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, that's SAP with their uh, decision. They always say the hyperscale and like the term like the public cloud vendors or the infrastructure as a service vendors um, that they went into the multi cloud support part. Um, it's also important, again, the roadmap issue, it's only bits and pieces. I always call the Swiss cheese. Some things run somewhere because they announce things first there. Classic example is uh, BW in the cloud was announced with AWS now three and a half years ago, or three years ago. Um, and, and I still don't know 100% when was the announcement that BW runs on the other partners in Azure and Google probably runs, right? Because we know technically what is. But SAP has to say which portfolio is running on which of their three or four, if you count AliCloud, uh, of their cloud partners. And that's, of course, a lot of work and certification. But that's also the benefit that SAP will span across those and customers can potentially even run in, in multi-cloud environments where they use uh, Microsoft Azure on one continent, AWS on another one, and Google on the third one, and Ali in, in China. Right? That's, that's really interesting to companies to have that choice. Uh, to be able to arbitrage, not be locked into one infrastructure as a service. And SAP has made this step, uh, kind of like abstracting the cloud infrastructure in a similar way like they've done the database, very successful in the past. And that gives customers choice and uh, not much lock-in, but SAP has to come to this mode where to say, we build a feature and it's going to be available by then and then on these and these cloud platforms. And back we are, our cloud infrastructures, and back we are at the roadmap topic, which is the... <laughs> challenging topic of uh, the time for SAP at the moment. And it's, it seems like that, uh, but also that hyperscaler offerings, uh, as SAP calls it, um, also offers possibilities for developers 
Um, for example, if your, your STP runs on, on Azure, you can also use the Azure services, um, and, and get, uh, best of breed. Um, yeah. In, in terms of, uh, capabilities, capabilities, which you can integrate in your applications. Uh, that's a really interesting thing. Um, developers should have in mind, in my opinion. Absolutely. And that's, that's the risk and the opportunity for SAP that with the more integrated cloud platforms, uh, developers and their, the CIO, CTOs who pay their, their, their paychecks um, are just one step away from moving off to a different technology stack. And, and SAP certainly shouldn't have the ambition, can't have the ambition to compete with um, Microsoft, uh, AWS and, and Google. Um, because they don't don't run those the infrastructure and the development environments, but they always have to have this different trait of being where the application vendors pass. Right? We understand logins, we understand access rights, we understand data residency. This is how we encapsulate our APIs. And in many many cases, just much better for you to build on our cloud platform than getting your hands dirty, potentially getting proprietary and locked into a cloud platform uh, when that happens. And it's going to be a big big battle. Um, going forward for between the managers um, and the executives uh, who don't want to have a lock-in and the developers who need to build something very quickly and conveniently and uh, the cloud vendors make it so easy but the price is that you're locked in and you don't have a portable offering. There's a big big battle happening not just with SAP but in the overall industry for providing a lock-in um, which um, of course the cloud infrastructure vendor wants to have. Right? And we had all this before when there was a point of saying, oh, the database vendors want to create the lock-in so they have the stickiness and, and so on. So, so history repeats itself. Now it's on a big different level and the, the stakes are much, much higher because the lock-in doesn't just happen from a uh, development environment part and or from database part and or from IoT architecture and or from a big data architecture and or from machine learning AI and it could be good chatbot and so on. I could be going because all these now we will say hyperscale infrastructure as a service vendors you're wearing me down martin <laughs> yeah <laughs> all of them offer the complete stacks with all the latest news goodies right and um it, it can't be in the interest sap by itself for their own products that they're multi-cloud capable and that makes it so interesting to expose these capabilities in the sap cloud platform which allows sap customers using the sap cloud platform to be infrastructure as a service platform independent. That's really the value. Right? That's the same thing like, again, looking at the past, um, I, if I didn't like uh, my Oracle database, I could use to SQL Server and uh, R3 was certified for this, right? Or I could use to IBM or I could use to Adabas to move in house or I can use move to HANA, right? So that's a little bad example now because HANA is kind of like a one-way street, everything, all roads lead to HANA database-wise, right? The choice is going away. Um, but maybe that's going to help SAP to save some resources because ultimately it's all about product developer resources, which SAP really struggles with, in my view, uh, to compete with Oracle and the other guys on the application side. Um, so maybe SAP can free up some people on, on losing the database portability and uh, doubling down on HANA, which then can put into recertification of platform capabilities, which are more higher level than the database and uh, where, where it matters that you can run the same code in different clouds. Do you think it's too easy um, to to sum it up? Um, so the, all this uh, competition around the the past platforms, 
that integration is there also the key uh, for the success of SAP because if the integration is easy and fast to their uh, SaaS offerings, um, developers will use SCP. Uh, in, in integration is always important today when you build a technology stack, right? Let's forget SCP for a second, right? If you give enterprises a chance to build software, I can't imagine of everything they run standalone. Yeah, it always has to offer some ways of integration on the data side, on the API side, on the user side, and so on. Now, for SAP, it's even more important because SAP broke uh, its automation portfolio deliberately, like the example in C4HANA, or the acquired solutions like the Six Sisters. And, and the big difference is now SAP said they will own the integration. They have to deliver the integration between these parts, and customers expect and demand the integration. Right? The, the big, big risk, and I have to dig into the, the history corner a little bit here, is that SAP keeps thinking, oh, that's the same thing like it used to be in the past when uh, SAP R3 was broken into, you remember, SAP CRM? Yeah, CRM the satellites. time ago. Exactly, right, the satellites. But the big, big difference, and that's what customers know, is that back then, customers demanded the breakup yeah so so sap customers I, I you i worked at sap at the time and was building crm sap customers were saying feel free to deliver a crm product but we, we are exhausted from our erp rollouts worldwide we're so happy to be in r3 we realize you don't have the crm capabilities in r3 but don't put them into r3 because you won't upgrade for it yeah, there's too much other automation. So provide me a single CRM solution that we compete with Zebel, Aurum, Scopus, Clarify, and so on, what they were all, all named back then, the competitors on the CM side. So that's the difference, right? The customer wanted to have a separate standalone solution. And with that, well, if they choose SAP, they had an integration problem, and they wanted to kick SAP for that and to take ownership. And if they bought a competitor, a standalone best-of-breed solution, they had an integration problem as well. So it was the same thing for the customer. And it didn't matter so much. It was, of course, not, not good, right? That uh, SAP MDM and XI, the integration technologies then created for that, did not really work because the customer still choose for it because when you say look at CRM and the competitors say you use Salesforce, uh, there was no real good integration into SAP ever. I think yep. that has changed now if you look at the bigger landscape of MuleSoft and Salesforce has woken up to that to a certain point, right? But um, that was a customer-driven separation request. So integration was on the customer. Now it's an SAP-driven separation which happened, right? SAP bought the six sisters, SAP made the decision to see for HANA, and SAP said they would own the integration, so now they have to own it. But um, I think it's also an industry trend, uh, the same thing which you explained uh, back in the days when they split up CRM into their satellites, which they had uh, out of ERP, because we are now nowadays talking a lot about microservices and build your small systems, and um, I'm that's something which which keeps keeps me thinking since month already. So SAP success, I fully agree, uh, was based on the integrated ERP monolith. Uh, nowadays we we say okay, let's build microservices, and I. I, I understand why and I see the advantages of that kind of ar architecture, but I don't see how you could build a whole ERP with the complexity of an R3 system, for example, um, with microservices and get, get it really work in the end. 
Well, I, th- I think from a technology perspective, it would be super interesting. But since we live in the real world where the day only has 24 hours and uh, people have to sleep and eat and do other things than work, you, you just don't have the developers for it. Right? That's, that's the dirty secret of microservices overall, is that for microservices to take over, um, software has to be rewritten and re-architected. And yeah. that, that is a long, long way to go, especially when you have hundred thousand of many years in like like an SAP has in the application so that's not gonna happen quickly and overnight yeah, there's no question about it but the, the dangerous thing and interesting thing for SAP and in the industry is right SAP has this fragment automation portfolio their competition uses the old R3 value proposition right Oracle open world was also two three weeks ago yeah. it's the R3 value proposition single integrated one tech stack application uh, one UX right with SAP you have so many different UXs some commitment now if you're free to bring it all together but I, I believe it when I see it right so because it's so hard to put the genie back in the bottle go to workday a single the power of one that's what they're talking about go to info was it the user conference in New Orleans last week it's a single application on a single schema and so on so so SAP has to have some some work to do in saying why this diversity is a good thing and and how they operate this diversity and and how they bring things along right and Christian Klein talking about bring more HCM back to as for HANA, that's definitely something the German people, the user group would like to hear because that's what they use for R3. But I'm not sure if that works overall well with um, many of the SuccessFactor customers who exactly don't want that, right? Who originally bought SuccessFactor because it's not SAP, because SAP wasn't good enough in talent management. And this is why they bought a best of breed vendor, which then, lucky, went for a customer, right? Usually the champagne pops open when I use a best of breed solution and my ERP vendor buys the best of breed solution because now I don't have to worry about functional migration, integration, and roadmap so much. But uh, apparently, SAP is a showcase that you have to worry about it a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, I, I cannot uh, add anything else uh, with that. And actually, I like the aspect that there are two, two less developers to rebuild the whole world. Um, um, that's actually a very good uh, but non-technical reason uh, for for the situation where we in where we are in uh, in the enterprise software world right now. Absolutely, absolutely right. I mean, there's, I mean, you, you saw it, right? It took Oracle 12 years um, until two, three years ago at OpenWorld, uh, the the head of uh, the, the corresponding part of Christian Klein, Steve Miranda at Oracle said. I'm now confident to go to every Oracle eBusiness Suite customer, every PeopleSoft customer, every JD Edwards customer, every uh, Zebel customer and say, we have enough capability in our fusion portfolio for you to upgrade and to look at this and, and move. It's not like we have to select certain parts or go to certain regions or certain, you can't upgrade everything and so on. Right? And, and that, that took Oracle 12 years now. SAP came saying we have better tools and smarter developers and it's going to take us maybe eight or nine, right? So good luck with that. Um, but but uh, there, there's a benchmark in the industry for this round, which is around 10 years plus minus something. And uh, SAP is in the middle of that, having announced S4HANA in 2014 and C4HANA. Okay, it's only CRM, it's less less parts, but C4HANA only in 2018. So everybody can do the math and how SAP runs against the 2025 deadline, which of course is self-imposed. Uh, it's nothing taking SAP away from moving that out further that they want to talk about this, but uh, it's it's not the end of the world because SAP can easily extend it and customers know that as well, right? And that they have enough might. So it really comes back to how much 
uh, if you want to call it like escape or move forward velocity, does uh, SAP have um, before the 2025 deadline? And, and this all comes back to aligning developers and how many developers do you have to build stuff, to integrate stuff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there there was also a, a too big brain drain after the reorganization beginning of that year. That was also one of the feedback uh, feedback points uh, DSAG gave to SAP that they are a bit worried about the, the all the people who left or will leave soon. Um, and the the missing knowledge about all the Uh, legacy applications, uh, especially in the ERP area, I think. Yeah, I mean, the SAP is clearly the victim of their own success, right? Many of the things which still run operate customers are 30 plus, 35 years even old, right? So that's the end of a lifetime for somebody who was a young buck or what is a young lady <laughs> uh, back when it was built in the 90s and, and now it's uh, 35 years to the math, right? Yes, no, it's 30 something, 30 years later. So people might be retiring or want to retire and not do this anymore. So that's absolutely a challenge and you're a victim of your own success that your architecture, your products, your key technologies are around for such a long time. And that's something which SAP has to be much, much better with. And it's of course a challenge because who wants to learn old stuff, right? But I mean, if you look at the top at the, because many of these ripple effects are because of management changes. And of course people are free to leave, but The realization is that basically since Shia Gassi left, SAP has not had a decent succession policy on the product development side, right? Vishal Sika came from the outside, Vishal left, uh, Bernd Leukert was installed, he wasn't really a product developer, came off from the support service, the Bernd Oswald part, I think he did a good job, he didn't have enough support for that. Now Christian Klein comes from the outside, having been the COO before, right? So uh, how can a which I truly think a world-class engineering organization that SAP has been, and I think still is, not have a succession policy because, I mean, God forbid, people don't don't have to leave, right? Things can happen, right? You can have, uh, nobody wants it, a health situation, an accident. You can't do your job for half a year or for even longer. And, and that such a um, well-reputated, successful development organization doesn't have a, a good succession planning part. That's really... For me, covering HR software where outside of the platform area is really, really puzzling. And so that's just a side note. <laughs> okay, I also can understand that. But uh, just some remarks for uh, about S4, um, also from the DSAG conference. Um, I had the feeling finally SAP uh, is in the position to make a statement towards uh, new features, innovations which you get with S4, why you should move uh, despite the database story and then you, that you get a HANA-optimized ERP system in the end. With all the machine learning capabilities that they are um, they are building in the S4 um, stuff and, and other innovative things, I really see now more of a business value and um, TCO uh, argument to, to go to S4HANA. Um, actually, I personally feel a bit sorry for customers who moved early because now it also seems that the tooling for the migration is getting better and better and you get uh, you get your projects faster de de delivered. Uh, I don't want to know how painful uh, S4 migration was in the very early days. 
but but that's what customers know, right? If you're an early yeah. adopter, you will not have the you will have the the the, the field road right across the field with uh, you don't even know if you can go up and down, right? So you're a pioneer. You won't have the four lane highway <laughs> where you can cruise an autopilot, right? So that that's clear, right? And there's there's different pros and cons to that. So customers pick their part, and I agree. SAP is getting better at the value proposition. Uh, it just remains a struggle because it's not only about getting better at the value proposition, like we mentioned in the case of Oracle before, it's the same thing for SAP customers. You want to have and hear that completeness. And that leads me to, to my one of my pet peeves of the last year or so is I think the overall ERP industry needs what I call jokingly the Steve Jobs moment, right? So how Steve Jobs changed the uh, smartphone industry by putting a full browser on the smartphone and moving away with the keyboard because the keyboard's only the way to see the full browser and realizing people really don't want to have work platforms but entertainment platforms and making them a status symbol. Um, all of that good or bad, right? The whole ERP industry needs a similar moment overall to redefine ERP for the 21st century because we know the best practices which are underlying are changing with the new technologies and nobody has come up with it and then Hasso was great and I loved him saying this and I've been saying it before <laughs> without him, him saying it officially but uh, now he said publicly at Sapphire and say look our building R2 he said was easy I spent time next to the finance director of ICI who was the, the kind of like launch learning customer for SAP and uh, he showed me how he did stuff during the day and at night when the mainframe uh, had capacity we would build that it was very agile, you would say today, <laughs> from, from an approach. But the, the key thing is, you had a business user who knew how he wants to run business, yeah. Because business best practices were so much more advanced, so much more demanding what technology can do. My whole research theorem of next generation applications is that right now, and since like six, seven years, technology can do more than what the, the, even the wildest best practices demand. So we're in a void. Yeah, so so nobody knows how to do business in the 21st century, which is a problem for all standard software vendors, because they want to build not software for one company, but for hundreds and thousands of companies. But if there's no best practice, I can't do that. Right? I can provide APIs, I can provide services, I need to provide platforms, which brings me back to the PaaS message and the PaaS platform importance for that. And, and then see how they crystallize out that somebody's going to be confident or have the Steve Jobs moment back to him and saying, this is how you run ERP in the 21st century. Yeah, we decided, right? What is the equivalent of the uh, no more keyboard, right? Breaking the rule with uh, what, what BlackBerry was the back, back standard 10, 11 years ago. But, but I think that doesn't, doesn't work for enterprise software. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> getting rid of the keyboard, yes. But, but I'm, I'm using it as an example um, for how revolutionary breaking has to be right many people don't know is that the iphone almost didn't happen right none of the telcos was going to use a full browser because they knew it would take down their networks yeah I said no right so so only singular which was almost bankrupt is small for people don't know singular west coast provider said okay our last hooray our last chances to have a shiny glitzy iphone signed up with it otherwise it wouldn't be there then they go bankrupt then AT&T wants to buy Singular to get more customers, sees the iPhone is there and negotiates with Apple that it's going to be an exclusive deal for two years. So they hope that they can recuperate the, the cost for the network build-up, which never really happened, right? So this is where there were all these exclusive deals. 
Uh, but basically, that's the other side interesting for this podcast is this is how Steve Jobs killed the diversification at all the telco companies because all their data center strategy got consumed up by building bandwidth for iPhone devices, right? Those are repercussions of that. But but I, I believe very strongly that the innovation moment, breaking potentially also the rules, like what Steve Jobs did with the full browser, is needed for the next generation best practices in ERP. So the Steve Jobs moment for ERP has to come. Okay, do you see it on the horizon? Uh, no, because because there's no, no Steve Jobs in the ERP. <laughs> so, 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 and, and there's also a product lifecycle question, right? So pretty much all of the industry is there, right, except for SAP. Um, Oracle's just finished a 10-plus years journey. We just talked about this in for it at the end of that. Workday is adding more capabilities to their platform. Uh, Workday has to replatform some things in regards of the public cloud, but, but they, they're all there and trying to look for efficiencies. This is a unique opportunity for SAP, who still actively work on S4HANA, but it might be too early, right? Because the best practices have not been established yet. So, so this is a really, really tricky thing. And in the meantime, if I was uh, whoever, Bill McDermott or Christian Klein or Jürgen Müller, right? If I don't know what functionality to build, keep people keep writing the older functionality that companies use for 80-90%. Maybe they're not happy with it, but they haven't come up with something new. And then enable uh, the capabilities for them to build something by themselves, monitor that through a platform or cloud platform where they're very efficient with low code, no code, using my APIs, monetizing the APIs by the drink, and so on. All these are good ways for ERP vendors to make money as long as they have the platform and then to see how these best practices distill over, right? So one of the key things you have to do on the pass, you have to have a common understanding, current monitoring, what are customers building and see, oh, two, three companies are building the same thing. So maybe now is the moment for me to pop this capability into the SaaS layer and move it up there. Yeah? So, so you have to observe really, really closely what the industries are doing, right? Maybe it's going to come out of academia, right? Uh, academia, or the prof Research. research side, right? Very, very similar, like business engineering was the trend which helped um, SAP to establish itself as the leading ERP vendor. Um, but business engineering came from academia. So, so maybe it's going to come from there as well. Who knows, right? But this is a really exciting time, thing for us in the current moment. It's not such a great time to be an application vendor because if you're done, uh, pretty much like an Oracle, you know you're done on the old. My SAP made this mistake also by copying the R3 code into S4HANA and Ben Leukert kind of like foolishly even saying, look, we're all there, right? We have everything there. But it's everything is the old stuff. We know it's not the new stuff. And uh, things are doing differently already by just replatforming to the cloud in terms of elasticity and scaling and often you can do things and run things, right? The classic example, sorry if I come back to HR, right, is payroll, right? So the three peaks to which you would size an on-premise system would be closing your books, manufacturing and payroll. This would be where you better make sure that your hardware can scale to that and you never want to run these three at the same time. Right? The cloud now allows me on the payroll and manufacturing both the book side to, to constantly be, be done, be there. Right? So every every relevant payroll event, somebody taking vacation, somebody doing overtime, uh, gets pushed to a modern payroll. The payroll's always calculated. Manager can do what if scenarios motivating people to work overtime or showing them what their take home pay is from a salary increase. That's a new best practice for payroll. That's not the old payroll. And this is known and this just has to be delivered. This is why everybody's building new payroll and just taking advantage of the elasticity and the low cost compute in the cloud. 
which you couldn't do in the past, right? So that's a technology change, which triggers the business best practice change. And here's just one example for that. And ERP is littered all over uh, these capabilities where the new technology changes the best practice and is only waiting for it to be mature enough and repetitive enough for the standard software vendors, right? the SaaS's standard software vendors to repeat that. In the meantime, and I sound like a broken record, it's all about what, Martin? It's all about... Platform? Ah. <laughs> Uh, it's a platform. Yeah, yeah, because that's what you have to do. If you don't know what to build application-wise, uh, and you make your platform better, right? To make sure because it's going to be a platform competition. Because then let's take a step further up into the companies are competing around business models, and business models are being disrupted and enabled by the new technologies. And if I don't respond fast enough. Um, I, I will be not relevant, right? We did the research here at Constellation, right? The classic thinking is Porter in the 90s, the three leaders have 50% of the market and 50% of the profit. We've shown that in digital transformed industries, it's close to 70% for the top three leaders. Yeah. No. That means if I'm late, I probably have no chance to even get back in the game because to build software myself, because not their standard software yet, because I'm early in the adoption, early in the enablement of new business models, is I don't have the capex, I don't have the profit profits to fund my development of this. So I can't even compete, even if I realize it, and then I know it's too late. So it's really important for companies to look at platforms, for, pro, for software vendors to provide those platforms that they can build and experiment, right? So sometimes I say, <coughs> we're in the second mainframe age, right? From the original mainframe all before our time, but I, I had the funny situation to hear it from three different CIOs in the late 80s who are saying, look, if, if you got the new mainframe from Hitachi or from IBM and you negotiated hard with them, they would never give you a discount on the hardware. They would give you developers for free because there was no software for it. And it was normal that on the first mainframes you would build your own software, right? And kudos to SAP to establish standard software. But it was possible because the best practices were known, you could just, just rebuild them into process. Right now we don't know these best practices and this is why the platform part to be able for customers and vendors to build something. Because the truth is if you take this, and this is my research around enterprise acceleration, companies have to move faster. We know we have to always move faster. But when my industry gets digitally transformed, I have to move extra fast. And uh, I don't have to run in full speed all the time, but I need to be able to move fast. Now, the secret is your speed as a company has to be faster than that in the industry, which is changing, right? So you don't get run over. But that also means that the speed of the platform and your platform provider that you're running on has to be faster than the speed in your industry to even enable you. So if you sit on the old and wrong platform, which is moving slower than your industry, your host, right? You've lost, you can't even compete. You, know, you have to change your platform before it's too late. Hopefully you can do that before it's too late. Yeah, so the, the platform innovation speed the capability to build things on a platform as an enterprise is the key determinant in the change and the turmoil that we see right now around best practices, digital transformation or disruption, whatever you want to call it. I think that's that's a, a, a very good statement to, to wrap our podcast episode up for today. Or what do you think? Yeah, well, the, the, the important thing, the, the interesting thing is, What has SAP left in the tank? They announced so many things and showed so many things here in, in uh, Las Vegas. So, so what is your take? I'm turning this around now. What do you think is left in the tank? What they're going to talk about Barcelona? It's just going to be a remake. We know Bangalore is uh, always the poor 
tech it from an announcement perspective. Few things left usually, right? That's the problem of being third. But I think they left something for for Barcelona the tank. What do you think it is? Mm, I'm not that sure if there will be something because the first time ever I saw a, a document uh, published by SAP wrapping up or summing up all the announcement they did at TechEd. Don't know if you saw that already. Um, yeah, but the, the press release was a wrap-up press release. No longer like four, five, six, seven press releases, but one wrap-up press release. That was the indicator already. Yeah, absolutely right. And therefore, as this PDF document, which has, um, I don't remember exactly, but around 20 pages, there was almost everything uh, mentioned, which was already covered by Jürgen Müller in, in Las Vegas. So I don't think there will be that much news, but maybe it, it will be the big surprise. Who knows? So so my money is on, and uh, again, the question is how fast and far it is, right? The big news for me at Sapphire was part of other things is uh, the whole uh, Hadoop-based data lake, which uh, Gary Katzenmeier and his team are doing, right? So I, I think There, nothing was said about that in Las Vegas, at least uh, PR public-wise. So I'm, I'm hoping and betting uh, something like this. That's where my money is on for Barcelona. Now that's actually a good point. Analytics wasn't really present in the in the keynote in in uh, Vegas, yep. at least from my understanding. Yeah, yeah. And so Barcelona is going to be interesting to see if they going to uncover that and left something in the tank, or it's going to be zip zilch because I don't think Bangalore. <laughs> get that that much of a statement, right? So we'll see. Wasn't like that in the past. I I agree. With, I agree with you. But I I guess the European um, uh, crowd would be disappointed if there would be no big announcement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, some announcement, right? But every year it's 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 a challenge for SAP too because tickets are so close together. So what you leave in tank, what you announce there. But it's a good problem to have too. And. I was positively surprised how many things they delivered and, and talked about at Tacket here in Las Vegas. But um, that's true, we'll, actually. We'll know next week, Tuesday, and only four or five days. So you're under pressure to get this podcast out before, so we don't talk about something in the future which, when it comes out, is the past, Martin. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I also have to travel to uh, to Barcelona, so the pressure is even higher. But uh, we've got the uh, I've got the advantage that tomorrow there's the national bank holiday in Germany, uh, and I'm might find some time to to get it edited and uh, published. Nothing better than um, getting a podcast out than on the talk of the Deutsche Einheit, the day of the German unification. <laughs> so what, what else would you do? Right? And sorry, no sympathy for me. I have to travel from the West Coast to, to Barcelona. So uh, I can't, you can't bring this argument. You have to go to Barcelona. That's, that's like, the, it's, what's a two and a half hour flight from Frankfurt? Two hour flights? Nothing. Uh, yeah, two hours something. Yeah. Not not that far. <laughs> no, no, no. Compared to coming from the West Coast, right? So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so Olga, thank you very, very much for for your time and uh, giving the insights um, and the the great discussion. I think it was a great episode again. Uh, thanks very much, and uh, we will see us next week. Always a pleasure, and uh, hopefully we meet in person in Barcelona. And any of the listeners, if you see me running around like a chicken with his head cut off, still stop me. I always have 30 seconds or a minute to say hello. 
uh, take a shoey, bring some colorful shoes, right? Hashtag shoey, <laughs> right? Sneakers. Um, uh, everybody has to do something for their brand and look forward to see anybody of the listeners here or at any other event. So always don't be afraid to say hello. Always love that. Okay. And maybe you can uh, offer Holger some avocado sandwich. Yeah, if you know a great place for avocado sandwich, please. Hopefully, there's a social part. Um, I'm really, uh, uh, really keen on sampling this. Right, you have to do some things uh, which are interesting, and uh, I'll, I'll put on that chat if that's there with the location in uh, Fifth Third, I believe it is by heart. I always have to look it up. I know exactly where it is when I'm in Austin. My feet automatically walk there. I always swear I only order one, and then I order two, sometimes even three. It's a great breakfast. <laughs> uh, because they're so good so I don't know what they do with the avocados there but uh, alright so happy to update that good good closure great job Martin okay thank you very much bye 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 bye